Welcome to Everything's Not Black and White with your hosts, Lala and Brian. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. We are so happy you are here. If this is your first time listening to us, we say welcome. And if you are returning, we say thank you. It's two years strong and we are having a great time bringing new and interesting guests your way. And today's guest is no exception. She is the one and only Jocelyn Marie, because she was born in the 70s and 80s, Armstrong. (laughs) We just had that conversation, y'all, because, you know, most black kids were named Marie, Renee. And what's the other one? Nicole. Nicole. That's so right. If their first name was Nicole, the middle name was Nicole. But uh, <laughs> Joshie and I, what, five, six years go back? I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. We had a mutual friend who we can't remember introduced us, and we were like, y'all need to know each other. And so we got to know each other, and we just fell madly in love with each other, and we see each other all around the city doing all the good things. And so we were excited to have her join us on the podcast today. We want to talk a little bit about what the last two years have been all about. So Jocelyn holds the beautiful role of Director of Inclusion and Outreach at the Ohio State Bar Association. Not to be confused with the Ohio State University because it's just the Ohio State Bar Association. Is correct? That's it's correct. The, the, okay, got you it. You got to clarify that when you're in the state of Ohio. Because sometimes you have to clarify that, you know. But Jocelyn also runs a beautiful podcast called Inscribing Inclusion. And so we have a lot in common in how we think about the world and how it's changing uh, both for the better and sometimes not at all. So we're going to have that little bit of a conversation today. So everybody, please welcome Jocelyn to the show. Jocelyn. Yay, Yay girl. <laughs> welcome. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. This is great. You're so welcome. So you all probably knew a couple, well, maybe a month ago, uh, we were guests <laughs> on Jocelyn's podcast. And so we're like, hey, we should reciprocate and come on over. We have a lot to talk about. So she so graciously said yes. And that was so an easy there. yes. <laughs> it's a really easy yes. <laughs> well, we love having you here. So our folks want to know a little bit more about you. So who is Joshua Marie Armstrong? So thank you for having me. Hello, everyone yeah. listening. I am a tried and true Midwesterner. Yes. I was born in Northwest Ohio and found my way to the Ohio State University. See, I've oh. got ties to both you got of them. it right you did good um and that that's where i went to school and then i went to law school at capital i was always involved or engaged in some sort of diversity equity and inclusion even as a kid we didn't call it that back then right. in the 80s right but that's right. what i was doing um whenever there was an opportunity for like a black history month report at my small catholic school i straight away i never wrote about martin luther king his i mean listen yeah. we just celebrated him the other day that's fair but I always wrote about Barbara Jordan or Charles mm-hmm. Drew mm-hmm. or Duke Ellington, just somebody completely different. Right. Um, because I was already interested in what black history meant beyond what we were taught in school. Right. Which was very limited at very that point. Very limited. Exactly. Um, so that's kind of how I got into this. I guess it's a lifestyle for me. Mm-hmm. And it started at a young age. I didn't start doing it professionally until after I became an attorney mm. and was working in a bar association. And a position came open through some reorganization. And so suddenly I was in charge of diversity, equity, inclusion at a local bar association. Mm -hmm. And that was fun because I got to oversee like internship programs and annual programs. It was great. Awesome. And the next thing I know, I'm working at the state bar (laughs) doing some of the same stuff. And truly like you all, it's a lifestyle for me. So Mm -hmm. I do it in my nine to five, but I'm always reading some book or watching some documentary or participating in some panel or producing a podcast where that's what I'm talking about. Yes. 
I love it. So what really got you into becoming a lawyer? So, you know, you, you talked about loving black history and kind of introducing that to, to people at a young age. But what got you into the law side of things? I wish it was some deep epiphany. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was not. I even wrote this in my personal statement for law school. I wanted to be like Claire Huxtable oh. on The Cosby Show. Oh, right now. And I wanted to be like Jonathan Rollins, who was played by Blair Underwood on L.A. Law. So this is what I thought, because I was like seven or eight years old when I told my mother, I'm going to be a lawyer. And she was like, "Okay." (laughs) like we didn't have any lawyers in the family. I only saw these people on television and I thought it looked cool. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what it really meant. Yeah. But it sounded good to my little seven, eight year old brain. And my mother, to her credit, just said, "Okay." She didn't tell me no. She didn't say we didn't have money for law school. She didn't say we don't know lawyers. She just said, "Okay." And the rest of the family kind of picked up on it. And that was the thing. But it truly started with watching television. And that was what I discovered. Then eighth grade, eighth grade English class, I had to write a report, a research paper by hand (laughs) using books from the library. Ooh, yeah, because it was 90s. Yeah, it was the 90s. But we had to write a research paper about our career choice. And so that's what I wrote about, about being an attorney. And as I was doing my research, I realized, wait, these are things that I can probably do. And and that's how we got there. I stuck with it and it took me a little longer. I went to school in the evening and all of that, but passed the bar and here we are. The fact that you saw two black lawyers on television, not necessarily in your life, mm-hmm. in your everyday lived experience, but you saw them mm-hmm. on television. Mm-hmm. And that's another big reason why representation matters. Absolutely. Because then you knew it was possible. Absolutely. And fun fact, I actually, <laughs> 2008 or something, There was an event here in Columbus. It was a campaign event. I happened to be coming from my law school class and saw an email. I had volunteered on a campaign and I and I called my friend and was like, Blair Underwood is in Columbus. What? And it was the old Buckeye Hall of Fame Cafe and they had done something over there. So we jumped in the car and flew over there. He was absolutely I have a picture of her and I with him. He was absolutely on his way out the door. Some like teenager stopped him and he was talking to this kid and like the rest of us were kind of like standing there waiting and he stood there for another like 30 minutes and talked to people. Oh. And so I got to tell him the story of why I was in law school as an evening student at that time. And he was like, that's great. And oh my gosh, you mentioned me in the same sentence with Felicia Rashad. That's awesome. Like he was more excited about that. Oh. But he was so gracious and kind. And I was just like, I, I, I just talked to Blair Underwood. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. He's still fine as wine, but that's a whole nother show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. You stole the words right out of my mouth. That's what I was going to bring up is the uh, Claire Huxtable aspect of it and how much representation does matter. Yeah. Um, just recently, I was reading an article about a female, first female commander of the USS Constitution. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the comment sections on social media stuff, you hear people like, you know, why can't it just be uh, the person's a commander? Why has it got to be the first or the first woman? Like, because it, representation matters. You hear the yeah. story right here, and that's why it's important because as a young black female i'm sure that was very inspirational as you were saying to to your overall success now and how wild is it though that it's 2022 and we're still talking about the first woman or the first black woman or the first asian person or the first whatever that's right that's a lot so that's why we still have to talk about it that's why we still have to talk about it because we some of places we haven't even gotten yet Mm -hmm. that's why we're still talking about first Mm -hmm. because we still have not been allowed the opportunity and the access to get to certain places yep so that's true talk now, you, you worked with the U.S. Uh, Congresswoman Joyce Beatty. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell me what that was like? So that was a, an interesting learning experience. What, what I learned from one thing is that Congress is a very interesting place. Yes, it is. Like it has a very quick pace 
in mm-hmm. a slow pace mm-hmm. all at the same time. Mm-hmm. It is very interesting how like slow <laughs> when you have to get 400 some odd people to try to even get close to agreeing to something yes. and the process of getting people to sign on a bill that yes. you are presenting or those sorts of things that takes a very long time. Yes. And that's a lot of conversations. Yes. I also learned that people don't understand the government. <laughs> <laughs> and so like when Do you, tell. I mean, you know, you try to be helpful, right? But we would get calls about like my trash didn't get picked up Wednesday. And I'm like, Mm-hmm. <laughs> let me give you the number that's like the city of columbus like called 311 right like i mean those are the things right. because people just thought you can help me i'm like i can but i can't like i can't right. i don't like yes i work for somebody who is in the who's a federally elected representative right but i cannot make columbus come pick up your trash on time like right. that's not what we do right yeah. which then reminded me though that like right politics is very local yes oh yes and so that kind of reignited my passion working for a congressperson reignited my passion to remind people about why they need to be engaged in local politics yes because seeing the speed or lack of speed yes in the way things happen at the federal level it was me reminding people hey you need to vote for your city council people yes. you know you can go to those meetings right right you probably need to figure out what's going on at your state house it's right, right downtown right I have, being a lawyer, I have friends who are judges now or who are running for judge. And it's a conversation of like, you know, if you show up at the courthouse at nine o'clock, by the time they take that noon recess for lunch, they've completely shifted your life. Right. You want to vote for judges. Right. So that be like working in the congressional office made me more passionate even still about local politics. Yeah. 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 And one of the things we find so interesting, obviously, you know, midterms are coming up later this year. Most people skip that altogether, which honestly ends up impacting your local municipalities in your direct life more often than the federal ones. And so I'm always shocked at how many people just don't turn out at all. It's very interesting. Like people get very excited about the president because that's the most popular office. Right. But they don't do the most work. In not the executive branch. Like, that's just not how that works. But people right. get very excited about it because it's flashy. And, of course, in our country, now it's a celebrity thing. Right. Mm-hmm. When they start talking about actors and stuff running for right. president, you're like, but, but, right. what do they know how to do? Right. <laughs> exactly. Read a script. Yeah. Golf key. I don't know. What is, yeah. what is that all about? Yeah. Yeah. But talking about uh, Joyce Beatty, mm-hmm. you know, two summers ago, mm-hmm. 2020, um, Joyce, as, as well as several of us, were out protesting mm-hmm. um, in the city of Columbus around the murder of George Floyd. And we were uh, attacked by uh, mace mm-hmm. and pepper spray mm-hmm. by police officers. And even Joyce Beatty, being a U.S. Congress person, mm-hmm. was in the mix of that. So can you talk a little bit about what you were doing that summer and how those uh, events impacted you? So first, that specific event was very shocking to me when I saw it because she was also with a, a commissioner and a city council president. Yes. And I was like, even if you don't know these people personally, like you've seen them enough. Right. That even with a mask on, you know who they are. Mm-hmm. Yes. One, you shouldn't be spraying anybody in the face. Right. Um, Because they weren't on the sidewalk. But like, really? Mm-hmm. Like, I just, oh, the person who's the president of the city council who votes for your budget. You right. Just spray them. Sure. Um, but for for me, it was it was a heavy summer, right? Yeah. For someone of my age and space and place in life, I am not unfamiliar with the unrest that comes about after 
police violence, right? Mm-hmm. I remember Rodney King. Right. I remember Malice Green. Right. I remember, you know, I remember being like super anxious after Sandra Bland was killed. Yeah. Um, like driving down the street and the police were doing shift changes and I saw too many police cars and I almost didn't make it to the gym that day. Right. Like those kinds of things. So I remember when I heard about George Floyd, I was intentional about not watching the video. Yeah. I can sit here today and tell you I still have not seen that video. Yeah. I've seen one photograph and that told me all that I needed to know. Right. Um, and I was like, this is too much. Yeah. And then I thought about, you know, we had started hearing just before that about Breonna Taylor, even though her incident had happened. You know, and then there's Atiana Jefferson and yes. I mean, just all of these folks. Yeah. And so I was exhausted yeah. for one. And mm-hmm. it was very much a like, I've got nothing left to give. And on top of that, I had already been in my house for three months mm-hmm. because we were not allowed to go anywhere right. because of COVID. Right. So it was extremely heavy because it's like I can't, you know, just run up to my mom's house in Toledo and hang out or go grab a drink or something with my friends. I am processing this alone. Yeah. Layer on that being an attorney. Yeah. So then people have expectations of how things should happen. Right. And we are taught the way things should happen based on the law. And that's not what happened. Not at all. Like allegedly he was passing a counterfeit bill okay the sentencing for a counterfeit bill is not death it is not death. like those things on the line so when you see something like that happening and then the whole wide world opened up and everybody was like oh my gosh this is a thing that happens mm-hmm. yeah it is <laughs> right and it has happened for far too long so long and so trying to explain that to people i will say though one thing that was helpful for me was being able to be in meetings on Zoom where people were asking questions and they were trying to learn mm-hmm. and being able to impact some of my colleagues because some people learn better when they have a real life example of somebody they know. Yes. So being able to say to my colleagues or boss or board or whomever, So think about, I drive an SUV now. You cannot see down into my car like when I drove a sedan. Mm -hmm. Where am I putting my purse? Right. If I'm on my way to the grocery store or on my way out of town and I'm on the interstate or I'm on the street and a police car is behind me too long, I'm starting to calculate if I get pulled over how I'm going to explain (laughs) I have to reach in my purse in this big old purse to get my driver's license. Right. Then adding to that, oh, by the way, I have a concealed carry license. So now, well, right before legislation changed, I have to disclose that. Like, So I I was describing this and someone said to me, I did not realize the mental gymnastics that you have to go to to run Mm -hmm. errands. And she said, I will never understand it because I am a Caucasian woman. She was like, but now I have a better understanding and filter because you've told me. So when I hear or see this again, I'm going to use that knowledge. So of all the craziness that came out of that, at least I was able to help some people see something better. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Where I work on my day job, they decided we need to do some education. So I was tasked with developing um, an entire equity education series. Love it. And, you know, colleagues jumped on board. Every phone call I made to ask people to do it, they said yes. So that's been something that we've been able to share in the legal community and beyond. Love it. Um, so there were some some good things that came out of that very, very terrible, sad, horrific incident. It's interesting when you're talking about the mental gymnastics you have to go through. I've had the privilege of raising a black child and a white child. And my my son, who is white, um, when I when he was driving, I didn't go through all the 
procedures and a process of what you have to do when you get pulled over. My daughter, who is black, I did. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until one day when I got pulled over and I was kind of irritated that I got pulled over and I kind of spouted off. It clicked with me at that moment that this is not the example I need to do because my daughter was in the car with me. Mm. And as soon as I did, as soon as I got a little bit of attitude, I turned to my daughter and I said, don't you ever do what I just did. Mm-hmm. So I had to reiterate that that, that was wrong. And it's such an interesting uh, perspective. I'm glad you got a chance to share that with your fellow colleagues just to give a different point of view. Yeah. Interesting point, too, though, is that when I was in high school, I, I will one, I have some relatives who are retired law enforcement, but I was the school police officer student aide my senior year of high school. Mm. One, he made me two promises. One, if you ever get in trouble, you got one phone call to get me because your mother's not going to come get you because she's going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) And the second one was do not choose law enforcement as a career. Those Mm. are the two things. But there was a time when I got pulled over in high school. My mom was in the car with me. My mother has a visual impairment, so she couldn't see like peripherally. Right. And I got pulled over for like having a blown headlight. Well, I'm sorry. My brights were on because Mm. I had a blown headlight and I was 17. Mm -hmm. And so my brain said, well, it's dusk. Turn on the brights because then you'll have two headlights instead of one. It's right. 17, right? This is your logic. I still do that. What are you talking about? Yeah. So I got pulled <laughs> over. This guy was yelling at me. Like as soon as he got out of the car, he starts yelling at me. And the other officer who was much older kind of came up on the backside of the car. This is what I figured out. Eventually, this is what they do. Like it wasn't like he was being weird. This is what they do. And so my 17-year-old brain was like, why are you yelling at me? So now I'm in a yelling match with this guy. Mm. And he's like, didn't you see me flash my lights at you? And I'm like, well, yeah, but like what like (laughs) so my mother's like stop yelling stop yelling stop yelling Mm -hmm. i'm not stopping yelling because i'm 17 right i immediately went home and called the officer that i was a student for and was like this guy and And it was like okay well you should never yell (laughs) yeah don't ever do that again yeah Yeah. but also Mm -hmm. let me figure out who this guy was right Mm -hmm. you learn when you get older (laughs) yes it's so true yeah i i definitely was a lot more mouthy in my young age than i was yesterday i was gonna say <laughs> yeah you know me. i was wondering where you're going with that yeah. Yeah. you cleared yeah. it up thank you yeah you're welcome you're welcome you're welcome so you know we talked about you know the heaviness that went on that summer and then you were able to share at least some education moments for your for your co-workers like what other things really changed about your life after after that summer So one thing is that I got more intentional about seeking joy. Like, what are the things that make me feel good? What are the activities or what people can I be around to make me feel good? And to to make me like really spark that joy because life is short. Yeah. The other thing was I got better about boundaries. Mm. Yes. (laughs) And like not only making my own, but also being sure that I'm respecting other people's boundaries. is kind of a big deal. Right. Um, Prioritizing rest. Because that was such a heavy time and it was so much going on and it was like re- I, like restlessness because even though you're like, I'm working from home, I'm at the house and I don't know what to do though. <laughs> it's like right. you were doing too much. Right. So trying to get rest, um, connecting with people mm. um, and trying to maintain those connections. And then the podcast was born after that too. Like it yeah. was, it was sometime later, but like the podcast came after that too, because I thought, how can I help continue to educate people? Yes. What does this look like? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I love that too, because I think about, you know, just there's such a trope about black women having to carry the world on their shoulders all the time. And we don't always get to do what we want to do. We have to do what we have to do. Mm-hmm. And that rest piece is so lost sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I know I feel tired all the time mm-hmm. and there's so much pressure 
that we probably feel internally, but are also comes around, you know, in our environments. You know, I know for one, I always feel like when I'm the only black woman, black Mm -hmm. person in a room, I have to feel like I got to be above and beyond Mm -hmm. all the time, Mm -hmm. impeccable with what I do, Mm -hmm. because I believe if I don't succeed, they will never give another person that looks like me a chance. And I carry that every single day. We don't get to be soft. We don't get to make mistakes. We don't get to show emotion. No. We just got to go and do the things, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, as a, as a white person, we don't think about I don't think about that. So I don't speak for all white people, but I don't think about that stuff. If someone screws up, I don't, I don't look at that as detriment to me being successful. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's the, it's the, it's to quote Kimberly Crenshaw, the brilliant scholar and lawyer. Yes. Um, that intersectionality piece, right. Of like the more identities that we present, particularly as black women, the more challenges we seem to have in spaces. Right. So you and I as black heterosexual women, right. Yes. Okay. That's two things. But I have some friends who are black queer women. Yes. It's a whole other thing. Right. Right. Um, I have some friends who are black queer women with some sort of, um, disability right? right then that boom 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 like so it starts exactly. to push you almost further away from what people feel mm-hmm. is acceptable or right or whatever and it's just like well no 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 these are actually attributes you all are right. looking at these intersectionalities the wrong way that's exactly right <laughs> that's exactly right yeah and you don't let me in my brilliance shine mm-hmm. the way i need to mm-hmm. not like you right. I'm, I'm me unique right. beautiful yep. love it love it love it love it So you talked a little bit about inscribing inclusion and and how you kind of brought that together. Like what kind of things are, were you hoping to help people get and understand through the podcast? So it is truly to me an educational thing. Mm -hmm. It's much like how I I decided to be a lawyer. I was sitting on my couch one night (laughs) and I black out time. Like I try to once a week to do some writing, creative writing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so I was sitting on my couch and I started writing this plan for a podcast. Because when I tell you I listen to podcasts every day, yes, every day. Love it. And so I was like, what am I doing? I'm like, okay, I could wait. Here's a wish list of guests. Here's some topics. I keep hearing this commercial about this platform I can use. Let me do a podcast. That's how it truly came about. It was like February 2021. And by the first week of March, I launched. Love it. <laughs> but Love so it. it was, it was like, what can I do to help people understand things that they don't understand? Mm. And so I having conversations with folks like you and Brian or other friends who are scholars or consultants in the space. I was like, let's do that. And then having even very basic things like in June, I did something that I called lessons of liberation. Mm. And so I did one episode about Juneteenth and an episode about pride mm-hmm. because those are the two things that we celebrate in Absolutely. June. Absolutely. And a lot of people talk about, especially Juneteenth that like in the past couple of years, that has been the like, mm-hmm. we got to celebrate Juneteenth. You have no idea what it is. Don't, no idea. So I wanted to make sure that people understood and they were yes. like, I don't know, 30 minute episodes, but primers about like, if these are things that you say that you're participating in or that you're right. trying to promote or observe or whatever you should know what it is absolutely and so there was a whole you know there was a whole thing before the federal government made the national holiday that that poor old woman in i think oklahoma and nebraska had been it was miss miss pearl or something mm-hmm. who had been asking for for decades yes. right before that though companies were like we're closing for juneteenth and so what does that mean to you right. because you don't even know what the holiday you have means no idea I'm waiting very shortly there's going to be like a mattress sale on Juneteenth or like <laughs> linens or something like it won't be long before it becomes a thing that it's, it's going to be a sale like in the middle of the summer right yeah. that's exactly right oh yeah <laughs> 
but I mean, truly, but yeah, inscribing inclusion, um, the name came because I absolutely love alliteration and I had about three different options that I wrote down, but like, it's truly just about education and it is, it. it is a way I'm not, I'm not trying to make anybody necessarily an expert or anything, but I mm-hmm. want them to learn something they did not, they did not know before. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's very similar to why we started too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's great for, for uh, stories like what you're sharing, because I think a lot of white people like me, I, you know, I've been called woke and wokester and all this other stuff now. And that's okay. I'll wear it with a badge of honor because uh, I, I don't want to be the opposite, which means I'm asleep and I'm not paying attention. So I don't want to be that. Um, but I do the same thing on my Facebook page. I'll go back because I'll, I'll watch, uh, black creators on TikTok and they'll talk about black history and like, well, wait a minute, I didn't know that. And then I'll go back into the research and then I'll put that on my Facebook page and then educate mostly my white friends that are on my Facebook page and get an interaction going that way. Why am I not get a lot of likes or, or whatnot on there? When I see them, they always bring it up. So I know people are reading this stuff, but I, I'm glad that you're doing that. And it gives people like me an opportunity to get some self-awareness and some education in the process. And that's the fun part, too, is that once you learn something, sharing it with somebody else. And I love that it's, it's funny to me because you're using tick. You see these things on TikTok mm-hmm. and we're right at that. Like I'm on TikTok because I have a cousin who's a comedian. So I oh. got on there to watch him and then I fell down the rabbit hole. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. But many people in our generation still very much use Facebook. Yeah. So like you're like, OK, I see this on TikTok. Let me go do some more research. And now I'm putting it over here on Facebook, because if yep. I just reshare this TikTok video, it's not going to resonate with the people I need to talk to because this is not where they are. So being even aware of where to reach the audience is a major thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then after I do each post, I make sure because there's always skeptics out there, I always make sure I'll put a reference at the bottom of the post so people can, hey, this is actually on history.com, not MSNBC or Fox News, whatever your bias might be. And the lawyer in me loves that. You would, you would get good points in your in your paper for properly citing yes. and giving context. Always cite the source. That's it. Always cite the source. So when you're thinking about, you know, we're in 2022 now, which it's still hard for me to believe. We've been almost two years uh, to that summer. What kind of things have you seen change for the better? Uh, what things have you seen change for the worse? And what things have you seen stay the same? That's very loaded. I know. That is a loaded question. It's loaded. That's I know. a lot. Um, so I will say something that I've seen change for the better is that people are paying attention. Mm. Mm-hmm. And now not everybody that's paying attention is doing something with right. what they're seeing, right? Right. But people are paying attention and some some people are truly trying to educate themselves more or trying to leverage their privilege yep. or whatever yep. it is to make a change. Yep. So that's something that I'm like, well, I, I don't know where these people have been for the last several hundred years or, or even during the course of their lifetimes, but they're paying attention now. And that's something I feel like you can work with a little bit. Right. Yeah. Um, Things that have gotten worse, though, is while it seems like people are paying attention, it seems like people are even more polarized. Yes, mm-hmm. that's and very true. I don't know if it's because we have more access to each other now. Yeah. Like yeah. I was texting with one of my cousins earlier and I'm like. I don't get it. Like, why are people so just like, I was like, because we know it, we can see it more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it's a lot easier. It's very interesting to me that like we have more access to information. I grew up working in the library in high school. Yeah. Same. That, the library was Google before there was Google, right? Like people would, I remember people calling and they would ask the librarian some of the most random questions. I remember being at home and trying to figure out something and it wasn't in the dictionary or in the encyclopedia. And my mom saying, well, just call the library. Right. And then Google came about. 
And now we have these phones. We're yes. in a matter of seconds. Seconds. Or we have these smart speakers or the what literally in seconds. Mm-hmm. You can get information. And people are either not accessing it or they're accessing wrong information. Right. <laughs> or they're only accessing the information that confirms what they already believe. Correct. Confirmation bias. Confirmation bias. But it's like, and so then people, and people are digging in and being very much like there is no space for grace. There is yes. no space for learning. Yes. There is none of that. People are just digging in and being like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And it's like, well, wait, maybe they don't know any better. Right. Or if they do know better, how do you redirect them? Right. Or what do you do before you cut them off? Like, right. it, or if you, you know, if you cut somebody off or whatever and distance yourself from them because they are wrong and, and choosing to remain wrong. Yes. How are you even handling that? Right. So it's 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 like way more divisive. Yeah. Things that have stayed the same. That one is hard. Yeah. Because there's so much stuff. It's just like, I mean, I think part of the great awakening, as I call it, mm-hmm. when everybody got all like, oh, something's happening. Mm-hmm. I think that mostly happened because of COVID. Yeah. Because we right. were at home and you had to see it. Right. Right. See, yeah. Right. COVID has been such a major disruptor. So it's hard yeah. to say what's really staying the same because in the spaces where people are trying to go back to normal yeah. or return to pre-COVID. Like yeah. life is not letting us do that. It's not So it's so hard. I mean, and, and to its credit, even though it is a disaster, <laughs> like a pandemic is not good, yeah. but some of this disruption was helpful because it yeah. caused shakeups in spaces where people were refusing to yes. change. And yeah. they had all the data, the yes. tools, the technology to yep. do something different and were not. And then they had to. I think COVID also exposed a lot of the inequities, like from a socioeconomic standpoint. Absolutely. Um, they're like, we'll send all the kids home and they'll use their little laptops and jump in on their lessons. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't have internet at the house. That. Or, Not, God forbid, or broadband. When it's weird because if you live in Linden, yes. or if you live in somewhere in Ross County, you right. have the same lack of access right. yeah. to internet. Like, like, thankfully, there's these infrastructure bills and things that are being passed because it just say, well, the kids can just go home or... The number of kids who were not going to school, that meant they were not eating breakfast and lunch. That is also correct. Right. And yes. then they couldn't get somewhere to get because COVID had everything all yes. all wound up. Or the people who were like, hey, I cannot work from home. Right. And I cannot have time off work. Right. So who's going to be at home when my kids are supposed to be learning school because That's I've got exactly to go out right. here and work at one of these restaurants or one of these hotels or gas stations that you all want to be at. That's right. That's exactly right. So the the number of inequities that like, and people are like, we didn't know this was happening. Where have you been? Like, how did you not know this has been happening? <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a it's a very telling fact when Germany and China do um, help ads about how they need to protect American families and kids adopt an American child because they're poor. <laughs> like the whole country's poor, not just poor, the whole country. Like that to me was like wow. I saw that and I was like, this is this isn't real. This is oh, it's so real. Yeah, <laughs> it was wild. It was wild. It I think wild. the perception too for for those of our listeners who don't know, Linden is more of a, a urban, uh, mixed race type community where Ross County would be more of a probably predominant white community. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the uh, challenges that is the perception you have the same inequalities, but one community, yes. Linden. And I see it all the time in our local news, just get beat up. There's nothing anybody can do right in that community, even though people are trying, where the Ross County community doesn't get much criticism at all. Mm -hmm. I think that's another part of the the inequalities that go on. Yeah, it's racial dynamics and language, you Mm -hmm. know, how people language things when it becomes the black people doing something versus white people doing something. Mm -hmm. You know, that's very, very apparent. So I know 
this has been very heavy in a lot of ways, but Mm -hmm. what are the things that you're hopeful about thinking about this social and political change that we hope is coming about and will stay sustainable change? So this was something I think that we talked about when you all were on my podcast. Mm -hmm. And then I happened to um, sit in a webinar yesterday with um, Dr. Mark Taylor, who lives in Little Rock, Arkansas, Mm -hmm. and he presented to us about generational diversity was very exciting. Mm -hmm. And so the thing that stood out to me, though, is that the young people, the Gen Z's, right? Good, bad or otherwise, they are they are causing disruption. To the point where people have now even stopped looking at what millennials want and they're trying to figure out what the gens because the, the Gen Z's are like the millennials are old people now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's hysterical. But what, like what does that make us? Listen, <laughs> we're really old. We, <laughs> we are really old. We're in trouble. But like they're they're very much like, This is what I want now. Yes. And some of it is kind of misguided and wild, like, what are you talking about? Right. But a lot of it is very much like I've watched my parents and grandparents. Uh, work all day and then come home and not have time to talk to me right or wait to take trips until they retire or go to work sick right or whatever that is right Right. and they were like i don't want to do that right and so they are causing that kind of disruption and i i like it yeah because that means that the workplace is shifting and for those of us who tend to be a little more progressive minded or still maybe a little youthful in our thinking. Yeah. Right. We are also like, yes, young people, I'm coming up that mountain with you. Let's get it. (laughs) And I have a little more sway than you do. So I'm going to make this happen. Yes. I even had one of my coworkers say it to me today. Um, She was sick, has been sick for a couple of days and was like, yeah, I'm going to the office tomorrow. And I was like, if you're sick still tomorrow, please don't go. Right. And she was worried about a meeting that she had with someone else. And I was like, I bet you if you tell them that you don't feel good, they will be happy to see you online. Yes, they sure will. Mm-hmm. And she emailed them and was like, I can't do it. I need to do this online. And they were like, yep. And so she <laughs> said to me, we were having a conversation after the fact. And she goes, I never would have thought before mm. to not just go in there half dead and hacking trying to get this meeting done. Right. I never would. She's like, I have internet stuff that I, you know, like right. we can use Zoom. We can do all these things. She goes, I never yeah. would have thought before it's amazing how my thinking is changing in this time and i was like oh yeah i am congratulating you for that right yeah. so the young people are influencing us in those ways absolutely so that's certainly something that makes me hopeful um and because of how things happened in 2020 people are getting i think more politically curious mm-hmm. and yep. more involved yeah um, even with the despair of like I'm voting and I'm still seeing these things that look like crazy, right? Yeah. But we're seeing more people who are younger saying, I'm not waiting until you tell me I can get into this. I'm coming That's in right. there now. That's right. And I'm gonna run for this thing that you tell me I have to be forty five and sixty year olds to do. Right. I'm doing it now at thirty two, thirty five, whatever. I'm right. not waiting for you. Right. And I like that too, because why why should you have to wait? Right. Until somebody says that you're a certain age or something. That doesn't necessarily mean that you know what you're doing just because you're older. Truth, honey. The other thing is I think people are getting more intentional about you don't want to work until you die. No. So how are you preparing the next generation to start doing this stuff now? Absolutely. How are you? If you're that concerned about it, start training your 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 successor. Yes. And pass the baton and pull them in on stuff. Don't wait. Even at 42, I'm like, you're 27. What are you doing? Right. You want to talk to me about something? Great. Let's sit down and talk. Yes. Because <laughs> I'm not doing this forever. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I will always be doing this because I can't help it. It's part of my life. Right. But like also, 
I'm not, I'm not doing this forever. That's so. right. Or that you can do it on your own terms exactly. or from some non-extradition island somewhere. You already understand. Girl. <laughs> she's already tried. <laughs> you better talk she's, about she's it. She's been staking out uh, islands all across the world. So literally, have. you know I people that went until they retire to be snowbirds? You. I was like, mm, how can I make this a thing soon? Girl. <laughs> I was teasing with one of my friends because she's 54 and she was like, well, if I plan right, I may be able to get it about like 61, 62. I said, girl, I'm trying to do 51. Listen. And I'm 49, folks, just so you know. Listen. I'm trying to do 51. Accelerate it. Honey. But yeah, but the, I mean, those are things making hopeful. People are, are more aware and they're learning more and they're trying yeah. to get engaged more. Yeah. Whatever that looks like. And for some folks, it means going through the typical establishment and becoming a part of that. For other folks, yes. it means throwing rocks and breaking windows and yes. turning everything on its head. That's right. And I think there's space for all of it. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Totally agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. So so if you're thinking about people just wanting to get involved or think about how to move forward from this point, like what is one piece of advice that you would give folks? So I am a nerd. Yes. A self-professed nerd. Yes. And so I guess there's a there's a couple of things. One is that I would tell people to learn as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And I repeat this so much wherever I'm at work or wherever I am. I repeat so much about it's easy to learn about other people if you really try. Yeah. And you don't have to go like really deep. It's not hard. Like right. we have libraries. We have streaming services. Mm-hmm. We have access to all this media all the time. Yes. So if you want to learn about somebody and you love to read. Just start picking up different books. Yes. If you're a person that likes to watch movies, scroll lower on that menu on Mm -hmm. your streaming service. Yes. And they have categories of like movies directed by women, Mm -hmm. movies about the Asian American experience, Mm -hmm. movies about whatever. Right. Right. Okay. So do that. If you like to do movies, if you like to be out and about amongst people, especially if you live in a state like Ohio, go to the festival in the summer. Absolutely. There's a festival for everything. If it's strawberries, if it's. Whatever I grew Paul's. up in, listen, I grew up in Toledo, and there's right. there's the you know um, Polish festival, yes, and the German festival, and it just yeah. go Italian festival, eat festival. some food Everything. and learn about stuff, right? Absolutely. Um, so I just it's a very easy entry, and I say to make it even better, look for the books, the movies, the podcasts that are produced or written by the people that you're trying to learn about. Mm, yeah. Like I could tell you about. LGBTQ life. Mm-hmm. I am not a part of that community. Right. I would instead point you towards someone who is and right. say, go read this book. Go watch this this documentary. Absolutely. There was one that was out, I think, last summer. I can't remember if it was on like Discovery Channel or Amazon Prime or something, but mm-hmm. it was basically like about pride through the decades. Yeah. And I was like, this is good. Right. right. I would point somebody to that because right. that was produced for just that reason. Right. Or if you want to learn about, you know, black women, gosh, you can go read a book by Maya Angelou. Right. Or you can go read a book by, you know, anybody recent. Like, you know, right. I think I'm trying to think Tiffany Cross has a book coming yeah. out. And so, you know, all these different yeah. people. It's just like, no, right. not Tiffany Cross, Laura Coates. Sorry. Mm-hmm. All on TV. But I mean, just you can yeah. you can do this, though. This is very mm-hmm. simple. Right. The other thing that I would remind people, I guess, is as you're on this journey and you're trying to learn more and do more and move forward, you have to have grace Mm. and compassion. Mm. You have to be honest. You have to be clear. Yeah. And I say you have to use deliberate speed. So Mm. there was the, I think it was Brown v. Board when they were talking about desegregating schools. Mm -hmm. And the Supreme Court wrote that it should be done with all deliberate speed. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that they meant pretty quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when I think about deliberate, I think that, that those are like very specific actions that you're taking. Right. And you're taking your time. You're not necessarily not moving or going super slow. Right. But you're being very clear and deliberate in your steps. Yeah. So when I say I, I just, you know, ripped it from the court, it's fine. They'll be okay. <laughs> it's been there a long time. When I say with all deliberate speed, I mean, do it. Keep moving forward. Don't stop moving. But be very clear and precise about what you're doing Mm, right so if you're trying to learn something commit to learning it if you're trying to make sure that you are better about how you talk to people or how you act around people what does that mean Mm -hmm. you know that means not editing yourself but carefully choosing your words yeah learning different words yeah learning to make space for folks yeah like being intentional love it intentionality it's beautiful Mm -hmm. it's good stuff Mm -hmm. it's good stuff so, Jocelyn, if people want to get in touch with you, mm-hmm. how can they do that? So there's a couple of ways. Um, one, you can follow me on Twitter. That's Jossie, J-D, J-O-C-Y-J-D. Um, you will get hot takes about political things. I will probably be watching a sports event and share something about that or some randomness. <laughs> if you want, like, actually serious things, um, inscribing pod is my Twitter handle for the for the podcast. You can also email me at inscribinginclusion at gmail.com or you can follow um, the podcast on Instagram. It's inscribinginclusion on Instagram as well. Perfect. Awesome. We will link all of those things to the podcast in the notes. That's where I do my best work, behind the scenes. Oh, guess what you say. (laughs) 14 years together, y'all. 14 years. Hopefully still going. And still going strong. Yes. Strong coffee. Strong booze. (laughs) Strong. Very strong. Well, Jocelyn, we so appreciate you coming and being a part of the podcast today. So many beautiful nuggets of inspiration that you've shared with us. And we just appreciate you and who you are and what you're doing for this movement. Doing great work. Thank you both so much for having me. I I love being beside you in this journey as we are all trying to educate people and making the world a little bit better place. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach out at enbwpodcast at gmail.com or on our meta, also known as Facebook page, Everything's Not Black and White. And so we appreciate our wonderful guest, Joshua Marie Armstrong Esquire for joining us today and we will see y'all next time see you later bye